old things have passed away. We're a new creation. We're a new creation in him. We can't do what we used to do before we knew Christ and expect to live a life of Christ. We had to do things differently. And then last week, man, I tell you what, for Dwayne to come up here in his first time, bro, he did, to me, you did spectacular, man. I so thoroughly enjoyed that. Because it is time, you know, we can't keep saying we're a work in progress. And that's what, that was his big thing, you know, just like Job. You know, Job never lost faith in God. He never lost his trust in him. He never lost what he knew about God. I mean, no matter what, no matter what Satan threw his way, he, Job wasn't like, well, I'm a work in progress. God will save me one day. No, nah, he stood firm. He stood firm on what God did in his life and who he knew Jesus. And, and as, as he knew, you know, who he knew who God was and he stood firm on that. And for us to, you know, can, you know, say we're a work in progress, we're not. When Jesus comes in and changes things, when you ask Jesus into your heart, into your life, he changes you. You're not a work in progress anymore. You're changing. You just have to learn how to go with that change and to build, you know, build that relationship and that, and that character that he, that he wants you to have. So, Dwayne, I, I appreciate, you know, you uh, sharing that with us last week. All right, so I got all that out of the way. Palm Sunday. Hallelujah. It's Palm Sunday, man. Welcome to Palm Sunday service. I'm so jacked. I tell you, I just... You know, I, I get up here, and all during the week I get kind of nervous, you know, like, I mean, not really nervous, because I really don't. I just say what God wants me to say or what I feel God wants me to say, you know. So this is, I don't think this is going to be your typical um, Palm Sunday service, but I hope it, it, it touches your, I hope it touches you and it, and it makes you think about some things. But before we get into the Word, I want to, I just want to pray. Father God, I thank you for this day. And I thank you for all that you've already done in this service, Father God. I thank you for the, the great praise and worship that we've had. Uh, Father, you're so, you're so good to us, you know, and I'm just so grateful for, for what you've done in our lives and what you'll continue to do in our lives, Father God. And I pray that this, that this little message or this sermon, Father God, be yours. Father God, that the words that come out of my mouth are not mine, but they're yours. You speak through me today, Father God. Lord, use me as a vessel to speak to your children. And Father God, as, as always, I pray that we... That we leave differently than the way we came, Father God. That we, as, as we have an altar service at the end, Father God, that we can truly come in and just lay our burdens down at your feet and down at the foot of the cross and, and know that you've taken them and know that you died for that, Father. And so, again, thank you for this day and this time and this opportunity, Father God. And I pray that you speak to your children this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. <clears throat> All right, so I got a little bit of scripture, and I kind of kept it easy. Um, Kind of keep it simple. I didn't want to get too crazy. So we only got two books. We're going to read out of Luke and we're going to read out of John. So I want to uh, read this real quick. It says, what is Palm Sunday? Palm Sunday is a day we celebrate the triumphal entry of Jesus into Jerusalem. One week before his resurrection, as Jesus entered the holy city, uh, he neared the end of his long journey towards Golgotha. He, he, he had come to save the lost. And now was the time that and this was the place to secure that salvation. Palm Sunday marked the start of what we often call Passion Week. The final seven days of Jesus' earthly ministry, Palm Sunday was the beginning of the end of Jesus' work on earth. Now, we all know that, you know, Jesus is the Son of God, and he came, in this earth, he came down to the earth through virgin birth, you know, saved the world. But really and truly, like, his ministry wasn't, was only about, what, three and a half years I think he started around, he was 30 years old, he became a, you know, minister, his ministry started. But he knew what God wanted him to do his, his, his entire life, you know, and he was the only one that's ever walked this earth that was sinless, you know, and he knew that, he knew that he was, it was a divine, 
you know, protocol for him to, to live the life that God wanted him to live. And so on his way to Jerusalem for what essentially would be, you know, his last seven days on earth, I, want to sh- I just want to share three things placed on his way to Jerusalem. The first one I want to talk about is salvation, and that's in Luke chapter 19. You want to turn there real quick? And this little story brought me back to Children's Church, and you'll understand here in a minute. So I'm going to read, I'm going to read Luke 1 through 9. It says, Jesus entered Jericho and was passing through. A man was there by the name of Zacchaeus. He was a chief tax collector and was wealthy. He wanted to see who Jesus was just because he was, but because he was short, he could not see over the crowd. I, I don't know how that feels, but I'm sure some of you, I'm sure some of you do. Ain't down. I just want to pick on her. I just, I love picking on Ain't down. Anyway, so he ran ahead and climbed a sycamore fig tree to, to see him. Uh, since Jesus was coming that way, when Jesus reached the spot, he looked up and said to him, Zacchaeus, come down immediately. I must, say, I must stay at your house today. So he came down at once and welcomed him gladly. All the people saw this. I'm sorry about the reading thing. I got these new glasses a couple weeks ago, and they're bifocals, and so I really haven't trained my eye to look up and look down. And so Alicia's like, just move your eyes. And I'm like, but my, I mean, it's like, I'm used to reading like this, so I'm trying to figure it out. So just, just bear with me. Like, if I start reading like this, you know why? Because I don't want to move my eyes up and down. Glasses. I'll tell you what, getting old is not fun. I don't like it. I don't like it at all. Anyway, uh, verse number seven says, all the people saw this and began to, and began to mutter, he has gone to the guest of a sinner. I don't know about y'all, but I'm glad that Jesus visits sinners. Because I was one once, and I've been one since I met Jesus, and I'm glad that, I'm glad that he loves me anyway. Verse 8, but, Zac- but Zacchaeus stood up and said to the Lord, Look, Lord, here and now I give half of my possessions to the poor, and, I have, and if I have cheated anybody out of anything, I will pay back four times the amount. Jesus said to him, Today salvation has come to the house. Because this man, too, is a son of Abraham, for the Son of Man came to seek and save the lost. Amen. I'm so grateful that I'm a son of Abraham, and that's how Jesus looks at me. He don't look at me as, like, somebody who's sinned. And you know what? You've sinned. You can't come into my house. You can't come. I don't don't love you because you're a sinner. That's not how Jesus is. And it reminded me of children's. Y'all remember the song we used to sing in children's church? Y'all sing, no, 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 not that one. It was Zacchaeus was a wee little man, and a wee little man was he. He climbed up in a sycamore tree, the Lord he wanted to see. The Lord passed by and said, Zacchaeus, you come down. Because I'm going to the house today. I love it, man. Like, I, you know, I was reading this story, and Christy loved that song, too. And I just, I don't know, it's something about children's church. I don't know, just... I guess it's kind of in our, kind of in our blood. Love the kiddos, but you know I'm so thankful that God, did, God don't you know, He looks at, He don't look at people as just sinners. He looks at us as son, as sons of Abraham. 
you know, and, and there's times where we have to do whatever we have to do to, let, to, to see Jesus. And when he comes in and he changes your heart, it's just such a great thing. And so, so number one was to bring a salvation. That's what Jesus brings. And he was doing this on his way to his death. You know, the people in Jerusalem thought he was coming in to take kingship and to, and to you know, live like royalty. But he was coming in, like the video said, as a servant. And he was still serving on the way to his death. I mean, that's just, that's just amazing to me. I love how Jesus does that. Number two is uh, raising Lazarus from the dead. And that's going to be in John chapter 11. So the first thing he did on the, so one of the things he did on the way to his death was he brought salvation. Second one, he brought the dead to life. I'm thankful for that too, because I mean, you know, before I knew Jesus, you know, now I started going to church when I was like eight. And here's the thing about about my little church life, I guess if you want to call it. My mom didn't go to church, um, but we had a neighbor that lived two doors down from us. Her name was Nish. And as the story goes, like every Saturday, she would invite my mom to church. My mom was like, no, nah, we're good. I guess that's how it goes. I don't, I don't really remember. But she's like, no, nah, we're good. It's fine. So like every Saturday, and here's the thing about the inviting thing. Nish never gave up. She never said, you know what, Gloria? Okay, fine. I'm not going to ever ask you again. But she asked my mom every Saturday for two years. It took two years, and she never gave up. She invited her every week, and finally my mom was like, I don't know if it was like, you know what, just quit asking me. Fine, I'll come. Just leave me alone. I don't know if it was like that or if it was like God was like, hey, girl, you, it's, listen, I've been calling you for two years. It's time to get your, get your honey in church. I don't know how that kind of went down, but it went down, and she went, and I tell you, man, like, my mom fell in love with God. And I don't think she, I mean, and I don't, I don't really know. I don't, I'm, she just fell in love with God, man. And she gave it like 110%. And I was talking to Michelle last week and or earlier today. And we were talking about having services on Wednesdays. And I like to have started like a Wednesday night service. And we were talking about having Sunday night service. And I remember, man, when I went to, you know, we would, we would have, we would have service at what, like 1030 in the morning and six o'clock on Sunday night. And I mean, there were times where me and my brother would fall asleep under the pews, you know, because there were times where Sunday night service was just as kicking as Sunday morning service. I mean, you know, because God is not a respecter of persons, and I don't believe he's a respecter of time. He's the same every single day. And, you know, when you, when you sacrifice your time and you go and, and you do things for Jesus that you normally wouldn't do, like God's going to respect that and he's going to honor that. And so, you know, so the invite thing, invite people to church. They may tell you no, but keep inviting. I mean, that was two years. I mean, two years. Some people give up after like two times or two weeks, two phone calls. You know, but it was two years and this never gave up and it changed my mom's life. And not only did it change my mom's life, but it changed her kids' lives. And it changed her husband's life, and it changed her mom's life, and it changed her brother. I mean, like, it changed all of our lives. It wasn't just, any, it wasn't just about my mom, but it, was, it changed all of us, you know. And so, anyway, so I, I just wanted to, you know, invite people to church. And if they say no, don't stop. Just keep on going. So, anyway, uh, John chapter 11, we're going to start in verse 4. When he heard this, and that now the, the prelude to this is, well, I can, I can start in verse 1. I don't, yeah, it's not going to be on the screen, but I'll just read it real quick. Now, a man named Lazarus was sick. 
He was from Bethany, the village of Mary and her sister Martha. This is the Mary whose um, brother was sick, was the same one who poured oil on his feet and washed washed Jesus' feet with her hair. I don't know how she did it, but I mean, if I had long hair, I don't know if I'd wash somebody's feet with it. Because back in the day, they didn't wear they they didn't wear shoes like we got on. Like their feet were probably disgusting. But you know, sometimes you had to do things that you don't want to do, or that's not comfortable, or that's not what everybody else is doing. There wasn't nobody else in that house washing Jesus' feet with her hair. But she was humble enough, and she knew who Jesus was, and she knew what she needed from Jesus. So she washed his feet. It's just amazing. Anyway, so, uh, so the sister sent word to Jesus. Lord, the one you love is sick. Verse, we'll pick up in verse 4. When he heard this, Jesus said, This sickness will not, end his, will not end in death. No, it is for God's glory, so that God's Son may be glorified through it. Now, Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. So when he heard that Lazarus was sick, he stayed where he was for two more days. And then he said to his, his disciples, let us go back to Judea. Verse 8 says, but Rabbi, they said a short while ago, the Jews who tried to stone you and let you. Hold on. But Rabbi, they said, a short while ago, the Jews there tried to stone you, and yet you were going back. And he answers in verse 9, he says, are there not 12 hours of daylight? Anyone who walks in the daytime will not stumble, for they see by the world's light. It is when a person walks at night they stumble, for they have no light. When we don't get this word inside of us and we don't have a relationship with Jesus, we're walking in the dark. And we walk in the dark, and this isn't in my notes and isn't part of my thing, but when we walk in the dark, we don't know which way to go. It's like when you're walking through your house, and now this this isn't the ideal in my house because my <clears throat> kids like to leave every light in the house on so I can kind of see when I walk around but I'll walk around and turn them all off and I'm like hey you ain't paying the power bill we got to turn all these lights off so I'll turn all the lights off and then I'll get up in the middle of the night to go do something or check on the dogs and we got this little cat that Caitlin got for her birthday and I'll hear it ruffling around and I'll try to try to go find it and see what and you know you kick something or you kick a wall or you kicked it into your bed you know, you can't see, and that's the worst pain ever, kicking that little pinky toe on the side of that, that bed or that couch or, you know, whatever you kick it on, or you know, Caliber's drumsticks or, you know, his little, little Hot Wheels. He's, he's in his Hot Wheel kick right now, and so these little Hot Wheels that he has on the floor, and I don't see him because it's dark because I don't turn all the lights off, and I step on them, and it hurts. It's the same in our Christian walk, man. If we don't have that light, if we don't have Jesus inside of us lighting our way to where we go and letting us know, I mean, this is, this is key right here. I mean, we see it right here. God talks to these people. He talks to our pastor and his wife, and they listen, and they do what, what he tells them to do. And, and, and we're the same way. God is no respecter of persons. He'll talk to you just like he'll talk to our pastor. He'll talk to you just like he talks to Stephen Furtick. He'll talk to you just like he talks to, you know, pick another one. Sure, Jensen Franklin. I mean, he, he, he'll talk. He's, he's not a respecter of persons. He don't see the outside like we do. He sees the he sees the heart. He sees the inside. So uh, uh, we'll get hit. Um, verse eleven. After he has said this, he went to tell them, "Our friend Lazarus has fallen asleep, but I'm going there to wake him up." His disciples replied, "This I don't think this is in the area." But his disciples replied, "Lord, if he sleeps, 
he will get better. And Jesus had, had been speaking of his death, but his disciples thought that they meant natural sleep. Verse 14 says, so then he told them plainly, Lazarus is dead. And for your sake, I'm glad I was not there so that you may believe, but let us go to him. And then Thomas said to the rest of the disciples, let us go also that we may die with him. So he, he brought salvation on the way to his death. And he raised Lazarus from his death, from the death on the way to him dying. Now I have a, I know I t- said something about my mom a few minutes ago and. She had this, what's it called, a Dakes Concordant or Drake's? Is it Dakes Concordant? Dakes? Dakes Bible. And it's got a concordance in it. Anybody know what a concordance is? Well, if you don't, it helps you study. It, it'll send you this way and send you that way and send you up and down and all around. and Just a lot of information. And she had this thing, I guess, ever since she started going to church and like she had it for a long time, and one one year, and I have it written in there, I think it was like 1997. Yeah. It was like 1997. I I think I had maybe just graduated. I don't know. Some of my young people in here wasn't even born then. But, uh, you know, she said that God told her to give it to me, and he was like, she was like, no, God, this is like my favorite Bible. I don't want to give it away. And, and you know, God's like, hey, give it to him. Little did she know that every time I get together and or every time I go to start studying and I go start putting a message together, everything I need is in that Bible. I mean, all her little notes and all her little highlighted deals and all her little thing. And it was funny because I was getting this together and we were talking about um, Lazarus and, you know, John chapter 11. And to the side of it, it says she had it highlighted and it says 14 purposes of Jesus's miracles. And this is where everything gets messed up because. I wasn't going to share this. I had a little um, object lesson with rocks that I was going to do, but God said, "No, you need to read this." And so as I as I got it, I just and I just want to share it, and I got verses to to back it up. If you want them, come see me, and I'll give them to you. But these are fourteen purposes of Jesus's miracles. Number one is to make believers. Number two. Fulfill prophecy. Number three, demonstrate God's will. Number four, destroy the works of Satan. Number five, give abundant life. Not just a little bit. He don't want to give you just a little bit. He wants to give you a bunch. Number six, confirm his, and I'm not really sure what this word is, messianic claims. Messianic. Sounds good. Number seven, uh, confirm God's word and his life. Prove that God was with him. Demonstrate God's power over Satan. Number 10, prove the kingdom of God is present. 11, to glorify God. 12, set an example for all ministers. I was stuck on that one. And you may not be up here preaching every Sunday. You may never get up in this pulpit. But you're a minister. All the time. You minister wherever you go. Whether you sell 
or you work bread or you go to college or you're a framer or you're you work in a warehouse or you work on cars it doesn't matter what you do you are a minister and if you want to know how to live your life just study what Jesus did that's what that's what you do that's how you live the life of Christ that's how you become a minister you study his life and do what he did. And he wasn't afraid of God. He wasn't ashamed of God. He wasn't ashamed to, to claim the name of God. Set an example for all ministers. Number 13, demonstrate the power of spiritual baptism. And 14, demonstrate full salvation for body, soul, and spirit. Now, half of these were the word would demonstrate. He didn't just say it. He did it. He didn't just say it. He didn't just say, you know what? God's going to come and make you, make you better. He proved that he was coming to do it. Even when Paul got his ear chopped off, he picks it up off the ground. He just puts it back on his head and boom. Who does that? When, when, when the dudes I got plucked out. Or no, I'm sorry, when he was the, I can't remember the guy's name, but he was blind and he asked Jesus to give him sight and he spit in dirt. Listen, spit, you spit on me and we're having issues. Now, I, I don't, I don't too much get all like crazy and I'm about to like rip your neck off, but you spit anywhere near me or on me and this ain't happening. But Jesus spits on the ground and makes mud and on his eyes and he's able to see. I mean, that's crazy. But that's the power that the Holy Spirit gave Jesus. And that's what Jesus came in with. And Jesus, you know, he demonstrates all this stuff. He wasn't just about it. And so that's what we have to be. If we're going to be like Jesus, I've always been taught that being a Christian means you're Jesus-like. So if you're Jesus-like, you got to do the things Jesus did. Now, I'm not telling you, like, if you see somebody blind, go out and spit in dirt and rub it on his face because it's probably not going to work. I mean, it could work the same way as it did for Jesus, but you got to be like, you know, one of those. I mean, you got to be like so full of God that you just know. So I'm not saying like spit in dirt and try to do that, but I am saying live it. And if there's anything that we, we should do to honor Jesus as he gave his life for us, as he goes into Jerusalem for Passion Week, and he's, he's put on trial for something he didn't even do, you know, and he's found guilty. Has everybody been, like, you know, um, accused of something he didn't do? You know, like my kids all the time, and I love using my kids. And let, let me tell you something. Just a side note. If you're ever able to get up here and, like, speak to do what I'm doing, embarrass your kids. It's awesome. I love it. I love it. So, like, my kids will be like, well, Dad, I didn't do that. Well, I, okay. He said, but you're, you know, but you're accusing me of not throwing the cheese wrapper away. Or I'll come into the kitchen, hey, who didn't throw this away? Not me. Well, I wasn't saying you did. I was just asking who did it. And you know, so they'll get all crazy. You know, but that's how, I mean, Jesus was accused of doing something. He, all he did was the Father's work. That's what he did, man. He was honest. He was true. He did what God wanted him to do, and he was crucified for it. And he was beat. I'm talking about senseless. I mean, if you know, if you ever get a chance, watch that movie, The Passion of Christ. I mean, it's it's a great depiction of what happened. I mean, it was probably worse than that. But what he went through just for us, man, it's crazy. 
you know. And he didn't even, I mean, he could have called down 10,000 angels sitting on that cross and destroyed everything there. And he could have went in, like he said, like, you know, what, like the video said, do you want to do it the world's way or do it God's way? Because if it was the world's way, it would have been easy for Jesus to walk into Jerusalem and be like, yep, I'm here. Hook me up. I want the biggest castle. I want all the servants. I want this. I want that. I want everything. He could have been like that, but he was a servant. And he served the people. Like on his way to his death, like, you know, like we just talked about. I mean, he raised someone from the dead. He brought salvation. The third one I want to talk about is he rides a donkey into Jerusalem. He sends his, he sends his disciples ahead and he goes, hey, there's, two, there's a the donkey and a horse tied up. I want the donkey. Why did he pick the donkey? He's Jesus. Like, this is Jesus. Why ain't he driving a, why, why ain't he riding a big old stallion? You can kind of flip that today with some of the pastors today. Why are they driving that really nice car? Why don't they, they drive a beater? I don't know. This is what they want to do. He just chose, he chose a donkey. I mean, we don't have to have the best of stuff to make such an impact. We don't have to have the biggest church to impact Henry County. You don't have to drive the best car in the world to know that, that people know Jesus loves you and to, and to spread the love of Jesus. And he chose a donkey. And the, if, you, if you study the word donkey and what donkey meant in those days, it was like coming in as peace. You know, he could have came in as a ruler and been like, okay, you're doing it my way. This is like my dad used to tell me, my way or the highway. And I think I tell my boys that sometimes. If you don't like it, get out. That's what I heard. I heard that in my, you know, and that's boys, so that's where I get it from. Don't mean it 98% of the time. I'm just kidding. I love my kids. But he could have came in, he could have came in Jerusalem like, you know what, we're doing it my way. It's my rules now. But he didn't do that. He came in peace. He was like, I come to bring you peace and joy and love and serve the folks, man. Like, that's what Jesus was about. He was ser- about serving people. You know, and I think, I mean, I, with me and with the Christy and myself, you know, we, we try to serve folks. You know, I don't really want recognition. I, I mean, I love doing this, but I just want people to be happy. And I want, I want to, you know, my job is to make folks happy and make folks, you know, have what they need to have and, and just live my life the way it should be lived. So anyway, we're going to go to Luke 19. Go back to Luke. Not too, not too far. We'll do uh, Luke nineteen twenty nine through forty. So it says Jesus comes to Jerusalem as a king. After Jesus, and see, as he approached Bethpage and Bethany at the hill called the Mount of Olives, he sent two of his disciples, saying to them, "Go to the village ahead of you, and as you enter it, you will find a colt tied there which no one has ever ridden. Untie it and bring it to me. If anyone asks you," Why aren't you untying it? Say, the Lord needs it. Those who were sent ahead went and found it just as he had told them. And they were untying the colt. The owners asked him, why are you untying the colt? They replied, the Lord needs it. They brought it to Jesus, cloaks on the, put Jesus on it. As he went along, people spread their cloaks on the road. When he came near to the place where the road goes down the mountain of olives, the whole crowd of disciples began joyfully praise God in loud voices for all the miracles they had seen.
Uh, verse 38, blessed is the king who comes in the name of the Lord, peace in heaven and glory in the highest. Verse 39, some of the Pharisees in the crowd said to Jesus, teacher, rebuke your disciples. You know people like that? You're getting all crazy for Christ. and I mean, I've seen it at like, you know, um, like youth conventions we'll go to. And there'll be people outside protesting Christianity and protesting Jesus. And, you know, y'all shouldn't be doing that, you know, this and that. And so he tells them, so when they say, teacher, rebuke your disciples, he says, I tell you, he replied, if they keep quiet, the stones will cry out. Listen, if we, if, if we don't praise Jesus, if we don't give him the praise he deserves, then the stone's going to cry out in our place. And there was another little song, Ain't No Rock, going to cry out in my place. I can't remember the rest, but <laughs> ain't no rock going to cry out in my place. I would rather be made fun of giving God praise than having a rock take my place. And I'm just going to be honest with you. And I know sometimes, you know, there are times where my life gets tough and I probably don't, I probably don't live it the way I should live it. But I know that Jesus loves me. I know he's forgiven me. And there's times where I have to get on my knees and say, God, I'm so sorry for not following and doing the things that you want me to do. And my, and my kids can attest to that. Again, Christian's not in here. I'd use her too. But there's times where, there's times where I don't do it right. And there's times where I don't talk to my kids right, and I don't talk to my wife right. But you know what? I don't, I don't give up on Jesus because he didn't give up on me. He laid his life down for me. And let me just say, if you got kids who are running from God, there's two things you need to do. Pray and praise. Don't stop. Don't stop praying for them. Don't stop praising Jesus for where they're at because they're safe and they're still alive. And if you if you have a spouse, if you know you're in here and your wife or your husband don't come to church, and let me tell you, don't stop praying. Don't in God. I've seen it work. I saw it work with my dad. My mama never stopped praying. I remember when they were divorced and my dad was gone for five years, we used to kneel into her bed every night. And I guarantee you there wasn't a night we didn't. And she said, come pray. We got to pray for your dad. We got to pray for your dad. And we prayed for him. And he came back. And I'm not saying like when he came back, it was great. This dude was gone for five years, and I became the man of the house, and he wants to come back and kick me down. Now, this ain't happening. We had some issues. But my mama never gave up. My mom never stopped praying for him. And then God changed his life. Because it wasn't him. I'm telling you that. It was God that changed his life, but it's because we didn't stop. We didn't stop praying. When he came home, we continued to pray for him. Because he didn't start going to church when he came home. Did he? <laughs> Pretty sure he didn't. But he didn't give his life, and he didn't give his life until almost, I got, I got married in 98, and I think it was around 97, 98 before I got married that, you know, he did, he, he gave his life to Christ. And, but 
put back to what I was saying, like, don't give up on your loved ones. Just like inviting folks to church. It may take two years. It may take longer than that to get your kids back to church. It may take that to get your, get your husband or your wife back to church. But don't give up, man. Keep praying. Keep giving God praise. You know, I saw it work in my own life. I mean, there was, you know, and many of you know, what, four years ago, I almost threw in the towel. And I was done. I was getting it all up. You know, and Satan got on me, man, and I let him in, and he just, he just about destroyed me because he knows that if he can, get, he can destroy a family, he can destroy more than just one person. But I have a wife that made our closet her prayer closet and her war room. And she literally had scripture t- taped to my dresser that was in the closet, and she didn't give up. You know, when I felt like giving up, when I felt like throwing in the towel, I had a praying woman next to me that wouldn't, you know, because, and then I finally got to the point, and she didn't give up, she didn't quit praying, and I got to the point where God reached me and said, your family is not going to be destroyed. He's not going to do it, because see, Satan's tried to destroy me from the moment I was born. He's tried to destroy my my family, my mom, my dad, me, and my brother. He ain't done it. He tried to destroy my family, my my my, my wife and my kids, but he ain't done it. He ain't going to do it. And he's not going to be successful at it. And he can. He's not going to be successful at your life either, because he's the 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 Bible tells us that the enemy comes to steal, kill, and destroy. Key word: destroy. He wants to destroy you. Not just not just hurt you. Not just punish you, but he wants to destroy you. But if you stay in this word, if you stay in this word and you build that relationship with Jesus, if you stay in this word and you get, let that light guide you and quit walking in the dark, turn the flashlight on. Turn the lantern on. We got it right here. We got it right here. You know, and we have to live this life. And I often say we may be the only Jesus that anybody sees. There's people that you're going to run into that don't know who God is for whatever reason. Don't know who Jesus is or what he's done. But you get in this and you get this word inside of you. You're the Jesus they need. You're, I, I'm, I'm dealing with a store manager right now that needs Jesus. And I'm pretty sure she needs Jesus because she's trying to kill me. And my flesh wants to go up there and give her peace of my mind. Because she's messing with my money. But the God inside of me says, I got it. Just be patient. Just be patient. And that's one of the things we have to learn as Christians is patience. God's timing is perfect. God's timing is perfect timing. And we're going to end in a few minutes so the band can come up. We've got to be patient. Let God do what he does. You know, because I know God's working on her heart. Because I pray for her every day. And not just because that's my money and that's my, that's my route and that's my, that's my job. It has a lot to do with that, but I want her life changed. I want her heart softened because she's a... She's a handful. 
she's a handful, you know, but I know that God can soften her heart. And I know that in the end, I'll be, I'll, I'll be a victor in this because, and she will too, because God loves everybody. She is a son of Abraham or daughter of Abraham as well. And Jesus loves her just as much as, she lo- as he loves me. And he didn't go to the grave and he wasn't defeated just because he wanted to be. But he wanted us to have new life. He went to the cross and he endured all that pain. So we wouldn't have to deal with it. So we wouldn't have to worry about it. And we could live in freedom and we could live in victory. And we didn't we don't have to be bound by chains. We don't have to be bound by the things that the enemy's trying to use to destroy us. That's not our life. Death was arrested. And our life began. That last little verse, and when we sing it, I try to I try to make it personal. You know, when death was arrested, my life began. And I am free. And I am free. My life began when he gave his life on the cross. He covered the world so we wouldn't have to live in sin. And we could follow him. And we could have him be our 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 flashlight. And I'm grateful for that. And I don't know I don't know about you, but next week I'm excited about next week. We got some ones that are being baptized and we're gonna invite people to church and we're gonna have a full house and we're gonna show the power of Jesus and what he's done for us and how he can change your life. And I just want to encourage you as I do every time I get up here or every time I speak or every time I talk to you, build that relationship. And I've stood on this little thing from what I can, from as far back as I can remember. It's not about a religion. It's not about religion. It's not about doing what the religious people do. But it's about having a relationship with the one true God. The Bible says that you can, you know, only through me can you come into my father. So we have to have that relationship with Jesus to get to God. And so I pray this morning and I'm going to turn it back over to pastor. And I just pray that you just look at your heart and where do you stand? Where do you stand with God? Because even on his way to even on his way to death, he was serving the And I think one of my favorite things in here was he, too, is a son of Abraham. There's nothing you can do, nothing you can do for God not to love you and not to shed his love on you and, and pour his love out upon your life. God does love you. I don't care what you've done. I've done some things that people don't love me for. But God loves me. And that's the one thing I have to worry about. So, Lord, I just thank you for this day, and I thank you for this time and this opportunity, Lord, as, as we go into altar call. Father God, I pray you prick our hearts this morning, Father God. Lord, let us, let us look at our life and see what we need to be, Father God. And I'm, I'm thankful for your death and your resurrection and giving me life, Father. And, Lord, I pray you do the same this morning in this building. Lord, I love you, and I give you all the praise and glory and honor. In Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Y'all give Kurt a hand, man, for the word. Hallelujah.
Glory to God. I tell you what, I love that man. 